Welcome to the 76th episode of the Game 4 podcast. In this episode, we'll talk about our favorite and least favorite game mechanics. I'm Adam. I'm Matt. And this is the Game 4 podcast. Game 4 is a platform to help connect tabletop gamers and to help you get more out of your tabletop gaming. Matt and I are part of a software development design company called Milk Can, and because most of the folks at Milk Can love tabletop games, we developed the Game 4 app and launched it in early 2018. We launched this companion podcast in June of 2019 to help tabletop gamers get more enjoyment out of their hobby. Due to the COVID-19 global pandemic, we hibernated the Game 4 app in July of 2020 and plan to bring back a retooled version of the app for Android, iOS, and the web when gaming in person is safer. Until then, we'll keep bringing you this podcast to help you get more out of your tabletop gaming. I got it the first try this time. Yeah. I know, that was, that, that was, that was something. So, uh, speaking of tabletop gaming, what have you been doing? So, I uh, was I think it was over this last weekend, weekend before last. I don't know. It was in the last week or so. Was it when I was in Boston or was it this I think last it was weekend? when you were in Boston. Okay, so that's two weekends ago. Got it. Yeah, I, uh, I don't remember what I was doing, but I somehow caught uh, notice that the often complained about no spell jammer. Uh, campaign setting for D and D fifth edition. Um, Complained was, about the fact missing. that there was no. Yeah, I'm like, right. come on. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was because like, every time they would, you know, okay, we've got a big announcement. Here it comes, and it's not. It was something else, right? But they, uh, I don't know, because they were listening to our podcast and started feeling bad for me. I'm assuming that's what that's it was. probably what it was. Mm-hmm. They decided that uh, they would release it, and not just release it, but they're going to release like three books. Nice. So, like, yeah, there's like a new monster manual for it, a campaign setting, and a like uh, Dungeons Master player guide for it. So, and if you don't know what Spelljammer is, it's a it's world D and D space. Yeah, it's D and D kind of in space. You've got ships, but they're they fly in space like they're right. like wooden boats but they're magically like magically and yeah. this and that and whatnot yeah because i yeah i i fell in love with spell jammer because of the ssi game which on the computer yeah on the computer mm-hmm. back in the day um i know the there's 80s lots or 90s 90s yeah 90s, was it okay i know there's a lot of people that are like oh that wasn't a very good game but i absolutely loved it mm-hmm. um so yeah that's uh that's coming out and then uh Started talking to my gaming group about, hey, this might be a way to get our group back together. I might run a campaign. Get the band back together. Yeah, uh, in person. And, you know, one thing led to another. And I am now a proud owner, or will be the proud owner. I've ordered it already. The Platinum Edition of the Beetle and Grimm, like, box set for the Spelljammer. So Beetle and Grimm is a company, they've, they advertise with, uh, with Game 4 back. Yeah, yeah. yeah yep. And they make, like stuff for like licensed yeah, stuff for D and D. Right. It's so like, like when you're using one of these particular uh you know like campaign, campaign settings. Yeah. yeah, campaign settings on steroids. So it has like handouts and maps, uh battle maps and like uh the edition I have also does like full painted minis for all the NPCs and mm-hmm. uh new monsters. Um we talked with them at uh, game hole con in Madison yeah. years ago. Yeah, custom g- GM screens, yeah, yeah. Um, encounter uh, 
like leaflets that when they stand up, so you can kind of see like I can see the uh, stats, but the, the players can kind of see what the monsters look like. And it's a, it's fancy businesses. Yeah. Is. If you're yeah. looking for fancy accoutrement for your uh, specifically licensed D and D stuff, yeah. the Beetle and Grim. I think the, yeah, I think the last time I mentioned them was like when I finished uh, the Dragon Horde or what was that? Uh, uh, Dragon Heist, mm, Dragon yeah, Heist yeah, campaign. Dragon I had bought uh, the dragon coins through them mm-hmm. uh, that were custom, the custom um, or official, officially licensed uh, coins, yeah, yeah. so that I could give one to each of my players. So they've been working with um, with uh, wizards, wizards for a while now. And yeah, they, yeah, that's, that's cool. So yeah, I figured I, there's a couple times I've wanted to use it, but I'd already bought the book, and I was like, ah, I didn't want to mm. like double spend. And this time they caught me. Before I had placed in my pre-order, so just at the right time, yeah. So you're getting the stuff from them, plus also the books from them as well. Yeah. So there's uh, their books are soft covered mm-hmm. and are um, actually kind of broken up a little bit uh, differently. Interesting. So that uh, I guess like some of the player st- shared stuff and DM stuff is a little bit better separated. And do you like the soft cover books better, better than the hardcover? I'm hard cover? usually a hardcover person, sure. but uh, yeah. So that was. Uh, that was honestly the thing that almost broke me from not doing it. Because the books aren't hardcover? Yeah. Yeah, I can understand but that. But with it being all in like a contained box set, I was like, ah, okay, I can live with that. Yeah. It's, they're protected. It makes sense. I get that. So, Well, that sounds cool. I mean, yeah. No, you, I, it, I was in Boston, I remember, when you, you sent me messages about the Spelljammer stuff, uh, like the, the announcement and whatnot and everything. So, yeah, that's that's very cool. I remember Spelljammer just as I just remember seeing the cover. I would go into my local Walton books and see all the different books from TSR, all the different mm-hmm. things. Like I remember seeing Spelljammer all the time, but I, I never played uh, that nor the uh, the PC game uh, mm-hmm. back in the day. But yeah, well, that's cool. Do you know? Do they have a like when that's supposed to show up? Uh, it said like late Q3, early Q4. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that that's probably around like that, what, September, October time frame? Yeah. Maybe Thanksgiving. Yeah, it could be Thanksgiving. That's true. Um, so, what else? What else? Yeah. Should work um, I've nearly caught up on my 3D printing backlog. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I take that back. Nearly caught up on my resin 3D printing backlog. Mm-hmm. Um, my filament one is still, I need, uh, Give me some headaches. Yeah, um, yeah. like the pr- the printer's not working well, or yeah, that weird issue that with the one your piece. And oh, where it just stops at one point. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it annoys me, and then I decide that I I needed to give it a break yeah, so yeah. I don't smash things. Yeah, um, you don't want to smash things. Yeah, but uh, r- resin's been printing really nicely. Knock on wood. Um, mm-hmm. So starting to get the caveats down for that. Yeah. Um. And see what else. Oh, and I've been uh, continuing work on my "Don't Look Back" demo for TMX, mm-hmm. the Tabletop Minions Expo. Yes, which is coming up a lot faster than I was thinking. <sighs> yeah, but it's going to be June real soon. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I found some pretty cool bases that I'm going to be using um, for, for the models. For the models, mm-hmm. and that will look pretty cool. And started talking with uh, Dean about some stuff to do with it and stuff. So. Yeah, it's starting to come together. Uh, I still have a ways to go, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I I still kind of like having a deadline because it it's a little bit better than just the nebulous of oh I'm going to work on that and yeah no I've done videos about that in the past about how sometimes having a deadline is actually pretty useful. It depends on the person, you know. Some mm-hmm. people like don't like can't handle a deadline or they just are like no that's too much. I just you know 
um, and they maybe go in um, uh, fits and spurts of, uh, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm all of a sudden the next three weekends I'm cranking on it and I'm cranking stuff out. But if I would have had a deadline, I would have been overthinking it. And, you know, so, you know, people are different as it turns out. But um, I, mm, yeah, I guess I kind of, in, in some situation, kind of prefer a deadline because otherwise I will. I'll keep working. I'll just be working on the wrong stuff. Right. Yeah. There's. It's hard. Yeah. I don't focus as well. Yeah. yeah. And I. I might not prioritize certain things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when you get down to like nitty gritty stuff or anything that yeah that you're like "Eh, I don't really feel like working on the the non quote fun stuff. Yeah. No. I can totally understand that. So. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's that's been me. Mm -hmm. How about yourself? Well, um, hopefully, I will be priming some. Plastic terrain kits for Necromunda, uh, the ash wastes, or is it just ash wastes? One of the two. Um, Necromunda box, it's not out yet, but uh, GW had sent me a copy uh, a little early, and then I, it's a lot of parts. Like, the terrain is a lot of parts. It's astounding how many tiny little parts there are to make this terrain, and uh, so it took a long time to build. Plus, I was also traveling a little bit because I was in Boston. And then I get back, and I'm like, okay, cool. I want to throw some rattle can primer on this because with terrain kits that are made of plastic, I always want to give them at least a bit of a coat of rattle can primer because it sticks better. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know, like I never have any problems with airbrush primer sticking to models, but you're also a little bit more careful with your models than you are with your terrain yeah. sometimes. So I think the terrain needs the extra help of having a, a rattle can because a lot of rattle can, uh, the ones that I like to use, have like plastic or have like uh, some sort of technology built into them that says, oh, it fuses really great to plastic. Mm. Like, well, uh, the, the folks that uh, I think um, Krylon have oh, fusion yeah. is the name of their technology. Yeah, it is. And I forget what they call it. I don't know if they have a specific name for it for Rust-Oleum, but they do say like on the can, you know, Bob binds to plastic or something like that Mm -hmm. so i've been wanting to do that but as we were earlier discussing it has barely gotten above 45 degrees fahrenheit and it's been raining for like the last uh, mostly on and off last two weeks yeah the only time it was nice was when i was in um boston yeah it was that that saturday it was like 70 and beautiful and my wife was sending Mm -hmm. me video of the cat walking around out diesel was uh, messing around out in the bushes outside having a good time and yeah Yeah, i was in chicago so it's just it's apparently just us yeah when we leave it's yeah when you and i headed to uh, reno that was like the nice weekend they had (laughs) right yeah that's a good point yeah we went to the gamma uh trade show it was a much nicer week here than it was even in in Reno. Uh, So anyway, um, hopefully it's looking like maybe this weekend I'll be able to uh, get those guys at least. I just want to put even just a light layer of primer on them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not even so much the priming, although priming in the rain is not smart. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the issue is, is that when it's cold, I've had primer when I leave it outside in the garage to dry. I've had it orange peel on me, which is to say get all weirdly bumpy. Yeah, like almost not fuzzy, but yeah. Well, I mean, bad primer will go fuzzy, but that, yeah. that, that's even in the best conditions. But I'm talking about like, like, because I've seen people in the past who are like, oh, you can, you know, you can uh, prime outside anytime <laughs> you want. And yeah, but they're bringing that model back in the house where it can outgas and dry mm. in warmth. And I don't want to do that because I don't want it to outgas in the house because I'm weird about the smells. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So hopefully this weekend and then I can at least get started because I'm just going to give it, like I said, a light dusting uh, of some of this stuff and then do the rest of it all with uh, airbrush. Mm-hmm. So um, there's that. I'm going to hopefully make a video about painting that terrain. That's also the plan. Mm. Um, let's see what else. I've been, I've been, I'm still working on Gloomspite Gits. 
uh, for Warcry. I'm doing them on Twitch. I've been painting them on Twitch. I've got three goblins riding wolves and like five other kind of goblins doing, well, that's not true. Three other goblins, two of them with bows and arrows. One of them is a squig herder, and then there's two squigs. I worked in the squigs last night for the first time, actually. Mm. It was it was kind of fun. I think your Twitch thing still is saying Storm Fiends. Really? Yeah. I thought it's supposed to, I'll have to check, because I thought it said Gloomspite Gits. Um, I noticed last night it says Storm Fiends. Oh, maybe the email that goes out says that, but yeah. when you go there, it's, mm, yeah, I'll have to check that, too. I wish that those two things were the same. I mean, it, I guess it's nice I, that you can make the, yeah. this, the, the notification say this and then the actual mm. title say that if you want to, but there should just be a little check box that says, make them the same, please, and then mm. I don't have to fill out two things. Look at that. See, that's why he's our UX exactly. guy. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I'm working on those guys, and then I'm trying to decide on what my next Twitch project is going to be. Uh, initially, it was going to be more uh, Warcry guys for corn. I was going to run some corn uh, mm-hmm. Bloodbound who are all built. I've got, I don't know, 17 of them, and they're all uh, even textured and everything. They're just not primed yet, uh, and that would be a good-sized project. But now there's a part of me that wants to do either uh, a unit, or not a unit, a, a war band for Warcry of uh, vampires and skeletons, who are, you know, just that nature's friends right there, isn't it? vampires and skeletons. They're not nature's enemies. They, they like hanging out together, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the vampires would be from the Crimson Court, uh, which is one of the uh, Warhammer Underworlds boxes that came out within the last year and a half or so. Okay, yep. Very cool models. I think there's four models in there, three or four models in there. And then uh, the skeletons would be from one of the earliest sets way back in the days of Shadespire, and that would be the Sepulchral Guard, which I used to have a hard time saying Sepulchral, but I've gotten better. <laughs> I, I practiced I'm impressed. I'm yeah. practiced in the mirror. So um, anyway, so yeah, I could mix those two groups together to make a single... Um, uh, oh, what the heck are they called? Uh, Warband? Yeah, but there's a name for their, like the those other Warbands I'm working on right now are also both Warhammer Underworlds boxes, Zarbag's Gits and Ripa's Snarlfangs, uh-huh. and they are part of the Gloomspite Gits. Uh, these guys are uh, Soul Blight Gravelords. That's the, the faction name. Mm. So both of those boxes are technically part of the Soul Blight Gravelords, so they can be mixed together. They can also be mixed with other regular Soul Blight Gravelord stuff that Age of Sigmar makes and whatever. That's what's really cool about Warcry right now is that you can really get into some fun mixing and matching and stuff like that. So I'm either going to work on those guys next, which I would have to build, and then, uh, but they're not going to take that long. They're, mm-hmm. they're Underworlds models, so they don't take too, super long. And, but they have to do that. Or my other idea is to do uh, finish building the last couple of models and then prime and paint uh, my Space Hulk from 2009, mm. back when they did the third edition re-release. Um, okay. Like some time ago. Wow. Like Deep cut. Yeah, well, I mean, that was, Space Hulk was the first game that I played for Games Workshop, but it was in the early 90s, and it was the original first edition. It's the the version that my friend Peter still uses when he runs it at uh, TMX. Okay. So that was that's actually not only is that the same version, that's actually the same copy. Like he, I we I originally got into miniatures by playing that game in college with him. Um, that specific actual box, and um, so these guys are newer models, newer everything, but still it's from 2009 because then they did another version in 2014, which I don't own. It's the same models and the same everything else. That they just tweak the rules a bit and mm-hmm. change the cover of the box slightly, for the worse in my opinion. But whatever. 
Um, nonetheless, I'm thinking about doing that as well, but that will take a little bit more work and take a lot longer too, because there's probably two, there's at least like 22 just Tyranids alone, you know, and then there's, I don't know, 15 maybe Space Marines. Well, they're technically um, Terminators. They're big guys. Huh. So anyway, yeah, it's a whole bunch of things, but it's it's a pretty cool set. Hmm. So thinking about doing that, we'll see. Uh, then otherwise, um, I also um, went to Boston. Yeah. And went to PAX East. PAX is the Penny Arcade Expo. If you're familiar with the webcomic Penny Arcade, which is mostly about video games, but uh, they're also into tabletop games as well. Uh, they've been around for 20 plus years, and sometime in the um, early-ish 2000s, 2004, 2005, they decided to have like a little mini convention kind of, yeah. and uh, like they were hoping that maybe 2,000 people were going to show up, and 6,000 people showed up, and they were like, whoa, and then the next year they're like, well, maybe we'll have you know 8,000 or 10,000, and then like 20,000 people, and it just keeps growing. Yeah, I, like when they first announced they were going to do it, I was like, oh, that's weird, because at the time it was like Comic-Cons, and oh, yeah. that was... A, about it i mean in some table convention yeah sure convention, i mean you had but, you know gen con and stuff like but that. yeah it was like uh, who are these guys yeah. yeah and so. it's grown and grown and grown there's one in uh seattle there's one in boston uh i don't know if they still do the one in texas or not they used to they did one for a while i thought yeah I uh, think they do so. one in australia yeah. and i think they do one in europe i mean like there's a and they also do a, a one that's just tabletop only and that one's in philadelphia usually in the late fall um, this one in Boston um, it is interesting because it's like half and half. It's like half video games and half tabletop. Like when you go into the big like expo area, you walk in and the first half of it is all video games. And then there's this kind of dividing line and all of a sudden it's all tabletop stuff. And um, so I went to, um, I wasn't really planning on going necessarily. My wife and I went to PAX in Seattle back in 2008 Okay. Um, uh, also, because we had friends in Seattle, so we wanted to kind of visit them as well. It was a little bit of a two for one. Um, but I wasn't really planning on going, but then I had been having conversations a little bit on both Twitch and on Twitter with Jerry. So the two people that head up um, Penny Arcade are Jerry and Mike. Jerry is AKA Tycho, and Mike is AKA Gabe. Jerry's the writer. And um, how did, is that just their like gamer tag names? Basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if there was a, uh like a deep story to that or i mean there may be i'm not sure yeah okay but but, but nonetheless uh jerry's more into tabletop gaming it seems and they've been streaming some like you know uh 40k and a bunch of different things on their twitch channel and such um and so i had been having some conversations with jerry on like i said twitter and he's come into my twitch a couple of times and i've gone over to you know their twitch while they're streaming some tabletop stuff and I uh, and and he was like, "Hey, we should get together and play a game sometime." And I want to learn your the game that you that you designed, yeah, you know, the Rain and Hell. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm assuming you'll be in Boston for PAX." And so uh, I went to PAX, and uh, I demoed the game for him and Kiko, who Kiko is their um, he's been with them for forever. Uh, he's like their head of like visual design, like you know, graphic design and stuff like that. They have a mm-hmm. whole team of people working, but uh, yeah. Um, Kiko's kind of the head he's of He's been there forever. Right? Yeah, he's been there forever. And Kiko is also a super nice guy and also a really good painter, um, though he dislikes doing it. Huh. He's really good at it, but he's like, I really don't like doing it, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is interesting. 
Anyway, um, so yeah, so we, I ran the game for them on um, on Thursday, almost right after I got to the convention, um, and uh, had a great time. Hung out for a couple hours there, and then ended up hanging out with Jerry and their VP of Business Development, whose name is Eric. Um, hung out with them on Thursday night, actually, at okay. the hotel bar. Eric, uh, Eric, and I hung out at. He was at Gamma, the the, the Gamma trade show, mm. and he was also at Adepticon as well. Yep. So I hung out with him at both of those places and stuff. So yeah, it was great to see those guys. It was great to meet Jerry. Uh, it was great to meet Kiko, and uh, they had a fun time with the game and enjoyed it. And um, it was a lot of fun. And Boston was um, very pretty. The area was like a lot of new stuff. You know, I didn't really get a chance to go by a lot of the old stuff. Um, uh, the area that we were in was mostly new stuff, but it was very cool looking. Um, it's kind of seaport area, I guess, is where it was. So, yeah, that was uh, what was going on with that. And um, if flights were screwy, but that's about it. I mean, you know, that's just been the case in general these days. When you fly anywhere, your gate's going to change and your times are going to change. And you're like, oh, I thought I had about an hour layover in between here. And now it's 37 minutes. Okay, well, luckily my plane left 20 minutes late. So we'll see how that goes. It's been a lot of that, too, so, um, but yeah. Um, let's see. I think that's pretty much it for me. Nice. Um, app updates and such. Um, we're still very busy, although we did, did we, we did just, um. Yes, we've, yes, we hired somebody. Right. I mean, um, they haven't started yet. They'll start next in June. Month. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got, we've got at least one new person starting. Um, we've got developer, programmer. Yeah. Possibly a second, but that's we're still kind of looking at that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so hopefully we'll be so moving forward. Yeah, so that'll help to make stuff uh, kind of as go. Uh, like I said, we've been very busy with like regular paying business stuff. Yeah, it? yeah. So that's uh, like a lot more than we kind of expected, and so no. there's that. Good problems to have, but yeah, yeah, yeah at the no, same no, time, unex- yeah, unexpected though too. Was, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, but, yeah. Um, let's see here. So the topic of today's uh, podcast is about game mechanics, our favorite and least favorite game mechanics. What are game mechanics? Well, according to our friends at Wikipedia, who are never wrong, by the way. No. No. Let the, the, the knowledge of the people. Indeed, indeed. Uh, the rules that govern and guide the player's actions as well as the game's response to them, a game's mechanics thus effectively specifies how the game will work for the people who play it. Hmm. So we talked a little bit in the last episode about world building mm-hmm. uh, and the story and that kind of stuff a little bit, right? Um, this is the opposite of that. This is, uh, the other parts. This is the crunchier parts they're sometimes referred to. Sometimes the story is referred to as the fluff. Yes. This is how the game actually functions. Right. These are the rules. There are games out there that are just all rules and basically no world building and fluff. Things Mm -hmm. like, you know, chess and Othello and Go and checkers. There's very few games that are all fluff and no mechanics. Yeah, I can't think of any. Those are called stories, I think. Yes. Those are generally like <laughs> books, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you you still, yeah, so you need new, uh, the game mechanics. You can easily have games without story or world building, but you still need mechanics mm-hmm. all the time. Um, so that's important. Um, and a lot of, how much am I trying to say this? A lot of uh, games don't, they, they will share game mechanics because you can't really like copyright or trademark game mechanics too much. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's certain things. For a while, 
uh, Wizards of the Coast was able to like patent um, collectible card games. Yes. Yeah, so other collectible card game companies had to pay them a license to be able to use it. But that has since expired from what I understand. Mm-hmm. I could be completely making all this up, but I don't think I am. I'm pretty sure I, that all I that I feel happened. like I've heard that before, but that... There was a huge things. glut all of a sudden. Like, Magic got popular in the 90s, and then everyone was like, well, heck, let's start making some money. And then they did, and then all of a sudden, Wizards of the Coast at one point, like, raised their hand and was like, oh, by the way, we now have the patent on collectible card games. And someone's like, everyone was like, wait, what? How'd you get that? And they did, and then all of a sudden, most of the collectible card games dried up. And um, To be it, fair, most of them weren't great. Oh, yeah, no, most of them sucked. Don't get me wrong. But uh, still, there were people making decent money. I, oh, yeah. I, I had some friends that were really into the Middle Earth um, uh-huh. collectible card game. Yep. I have. I still. I just found them this last weekend. Uh, my Star Trek TNG uh, from Decipher. I think, I think so. it was Decipher. Yep. I think they had both Star Trek and Star Wars. I think. Yep. But yeah, so there was a zillion different companies doing that kind of stuff, and then. But that's not exactly a game mechanic. That's more of a, a game type or something. Yeah. Or I don't know. But, like, you can't be like, oh, wait, your game, you roll 2d6 to hit? Well, that's what my game does, so you owe me money now. That's not a thing you can do. Right. Um, there's, a, there's not really much that's copyrightable or whatever or trademarkable in gaming mechanics. There are specific, like, types of charts. If the number is non, uh, what was the term, non-algorithmic? Like if a chart, let's say, like if you've got like a Dungeons and Dragons thing and you're like, okay, well, um, my XP goes from this much to this much to get to this level and this much to this Mm -hmm. much to get to that level, that you can technically copyright that progression. But to just say, uh, as you gain more experience, you go up in, in levels, that you can't. You know what I mean? So there are, but the point is there's a lot of games out there that use a lot of the same mechanics. Right. Um, like in board games, there's all kinds of different types of mechanics that right. people just know the names of, basically. Right, like uh, roll and move. Mm-hmm. You, you roll dice and you move the number that the dice say and then something happens. Right. Plus there's also all kinds of um, other ones that I hear the names of thrown around from time to time, but I don't necessarily know what they mean, mm. like worker placement and area control Ooh. and uh, and things like that. I hear about like, yes. oh, this is a worker placement game, and I'm like, I don't, I don't. So you're 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 just getting people hired, and or what's it was this? I don't know. Is this a staffing game? That's kind of weird, you know. Um, <laughs> and so that's the kind of stuff that 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 can be a mechanic. Um, that's probably a little bit higher level as opposed to just like roll two d six to hit or something like that. Right. You know that's I mean? when you, yeah you start getting into the Euro board games and stuff like oh, that. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. yeah, there's a Luminology podcast. Mm. That um, it's the guy does some segments on or used to on Dice Tower. Okay. And it was all about um, he would kind of explain game mechanics and then explain kind of like what makes that mechanic good or how to do it properly. And yeah. then like sometimes like the evolution of it. And yeah, that's. There's a lot to game mechanics. And there's like you can easily, and a lot of what I'm going to say is referencing predominantly you know, wargaming, uh, miniature games and stuff like that because that's my main wheelhouse. But, mm-hmm. and also because of, uh, me and Vince Ventrella are now designing games, so we also have that background. But um, there's a lot to be said for the way that you do things and what it's trying to simulate in, in game mechanics. Yeah, there's a lot of complexity that of how to blend stuff and make stuff good. I, it's kind of like, uh, I was thinking about it with uh, like music or, or cooking. Like, mm-hmm. um, like, Anybody can take like an instrument and play like th- three different notes, right? Sure, sure. But to make it into a song, 
um, and to then also make that song like have a certain like you know I know that I, it was like a like a certain minor key. If you st- if you have a oh, certain yeah. minor key, music theory that yeah that gives you like a feeling of dread and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like and, and you know when you start to, like getting into that, you're like oh okay, there's a lot more to this than the, a lot more depth than Absolutely. just notes being thrown together. And yeah, that's no. kind of what I started learning about game mechanics is that oh they didn't just like randomly pick this. There's a lot of thought and depth that goes into it to really make a good game. Case in point. Um, in games like, let's say, Warhammer 40,000. Mm-hmm. You may have heard of that. Um, you basically, you, the, the, the two players roll off at the beginning to see who gets to go first, and then that's the turn uh, format for the rest of the entire game. You know, oh, you you won the roll off? Okay, cool. Now you go first, then my, I go. And it's not like we each activation, like you do all of your entire army, and then I do mm-hmm. all of my entire army, and now turn one is done. It's almost like baseball, like you get the top and the bottom of each inning, right? Right. So you keep doing that. Um, then you've got games like um, Bolt Action, where instead you're, you have a die for each of your units on your team, and your opponent has a die for each of the opponents on, or each of the units on their team, and theirs are all one color and yours are all a different color. And then you throw them in a dice bag, and then you reach into the dice bag and you pull them out. Now, that sounds like it's just like a silly, like, oh, well, I guess this is different than doing it's it the other way. It's a way to add randomness. Yeah, it's a way to add randomness. That's cool. But what it's really doing, what it's really simulating, is the fact that in World War II, you had an amazing fog of war because you have explosions and smoke in the air from shelling and you've got dirt in the air and too much noise and all this kind of stuff. So reaching into that bag and pulling out, okay, now these guys are going to, I get to go. And then you having to decide that's more of a reaction to what's going on as opposed to just like, well, I know I'm going next. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so that kind of simulation in a mechanic is not just something that's like, oh, this is a cool concept or whatever, or it's easy, I can reach into this bag and put, but it's actually like, why are we doing it that way? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, that's like I said, like I was talking about before about how story and, and world building are important, but mechanics can add, and like I said, we talked about story and world building, um, and I think it was in our last episode, and, and that stuff is very important, don't get me wrong. But mechanics can add enjoyment to the game um, mm-hmm. if they're good mechanics, or they can obviously decrease immersion and fun if they're bad mechanics. Kind of, you know, like it adds immersion when that you're reaching into that dice bag and you're pulling out a thing to see, oh, geez, what's going to happen next? Oh, oh, okay, I get to move a guy. All right, that's cool. You know, mm-hmm. oh no, they got to move a guy or whatever, as opposed to just like you know back and forth or or whatever. Those types of things. Rules. There are a lot of folks out there, in my opinion. Going to go on a tiny little rant here. There's a lot of folks out there who. The story is the most important thing, mm-hmm. and the rules don't matter. And I kind of like story to me is yeah, it's great or whatever. But rules are the way that I play the game, and so that to me, that's I think kind of important. Yeah, there's there's some game mechanics that if I find out they're in the game, I will almost not play it. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's a good chance I won't play it, or I or I definitely won't enjoy it. Yeah. But there can be a game story or non-existent game story, and there's still a good game. Like, uh, I, I, someone's going to be yelling at their uh, podcast right now. But there is a game, board game about winemaking. Okay. And it's, I mean, Vertology or something. No, no, that's not even close. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, board game just, about winemaking. Yeah, and it sounds like when you, you hear that and, and the the – even some of the artwork, you're just like, oh my gosh, this looks so, <laughs> uh, no pun intended, dry. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. 
but it was actually really fun and mm -hmm. it was, but it was because of the way the mechanics worked out and and the gameplay and the and the speed and everything else it, it was just a very well put together game and i'm like yeah but if there's a bad mechanic you can have a beautiful story and you're like oh my gosh this game is horrible oh yeah no i i, I do wonder with because i'm not a person who's ever really technically designed a board game um, but I do wonder if it is a situation where you come up with a mechanic first or a group of mechanics or something like that and then come up with a hook or a story or a world building. Or is it you're like, man, I really want to make a game about tulips. You know what I mean? I, like, uh, Or I, is even sometimes marketing. Like, There's a mm -hmm. game that I keep thinking about buying for my wife because it's about knitting and my wife likes knitting. But that game could probably be about anything. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, are the mechanics, like, well, obviously the mechanics in this game would be perfect for a game about knitting, or does it not like that? You know I what I mean? I think, I'm guessing that the, the answer is both. Sure, why not both? Yes, that some sometimes they're like, oh, we need to make a game about robots, and then mm -hmm. they come up with a way to do robots, and then sometimes they're like, it'd be really cool if we could, there was a game mechanic that did this, and then they worked that all out, and they're like, yeah, that sounds like a fun game. Now, what does this fit? What's like, it going to be about? Yeah. Um, I don't know. How about wine? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, like I said, I think that I think you're right. I think that sometimes the world building can be a little bit more of a marketing thing, which is nothing wrong with that, I guess. But the the mechanics are important, and I would say that they're more important in some types of games than others. I would say that mechanics are more important in board games than they are maybe. Well, mechanics are more important in board games than they are in miniature games, I think, and. Miniature games mechanics, I bet you, are even a bit more important than RPGs, don't you think? Because RPGs, so much story, you can really kind yeah, of go around okay. janky I, rules. Yeah, I can go. Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, because if you've got bad rules in a board game, I don't care how good the story is. The board game is a lot of mechanics. Whereas, mm -hmm. if you go to the other end of the spectrum, like you know, RPGs, it's a lot of story and it's a lot of. It's, it's a lot of it's on the GM's shoulders. Right, and bad game mechanics, you could. You can role play around, but sure, exactly. But then being able to role play is technically a game mechanic, isn't it? Oh, wow, that's deep. That's yeah. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a possibility. I don't know. So, what are, as an example, some of your favorite game mechanics? You should give me a game mechanic that you like, and then I'll give you one that I like. How about that? That sounds great. And okay. Then, yeah. Then do we go? through all of our favorites and then our least favorite or should we kind of mix it up so we don't sound super negative at the end uh yes yes okay yes. we'll do one of those yeah yeah it'll be a surprise it, it's surprising to me <laughs> see this will be a great time for me to bring out my I don't like completely random games sure that's fine And, and some, but anyway uh, favorite game mechanic. So the first one on my list is asymmetric gameplay is this in no uh, particular order yeah, no particular order. I would Great, say fine. it's kind of pop, most popular, but not necessarily. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and you're like, asymmetric gameplay, that I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so asymmetric gameplay means that uh, different sides are not, you know, uh, exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And they're not exactly the opposite of one another. Like it's not, you know, a, a, a game, a, you know, chess is a symmetrical game or, ch or checkers exactly. or anything. 
both sides are, have the equal stats, equal abilities, and stuff like that. Uh, games like um, you know Monopoly or all kinds of stuff like that. Like you don't right. have any special, and actually a lot of games, everybody's kind of equal. Right. Just because you pick the the dog in Monopoly doesn't mean that you sure. get a certain mechanic that helps you out. Right. Everyone just picked it because you know, or the battleship because it was you know cooler and, than the thimble. And a lot of games are like that, where it's basically you're all playing a game and you're all kind of the same, and you have to run by the same rules. Right. So, uh, yeah, asymmetric means that there's abilities or rules that are different per, um, like, choice that you make uh, for who you're, you know, taking. Ones I can think of off the top of my head, uh, and they're all kind of by the same company. Well, at least two of them are. Um, Vast. Oh, yeah. See, I was going to say Root is a good right. one. Right, and the other one was, I was going to say was Root. Yeah, right. so yeah uh, Leader Games is, does, a, they do a, a they, they're really into the asymmetrical stuff. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if it's just because that's the way they like design. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But it's very cool in that, like, if you pick this faction, they play a good deal differently than if you pick this faction. Right. Spirit Island's another one where mm-hmm. you can have, uh, and there's, there's even differing um, skill levels to it where they're like, this one's really hard to play. Mm-hmm. Um this one's easier to play, but you know, but this one has a really challenging mechanic, so it's more fun, you know. Uh, and that's so. The reason why I like it, well, uh, so the reason why some people don't like it is that it, there can be overpowered abilities and teams that it's hard to balance. It's not always balanced. It's yeah, it's not. It's certainly not mathematically balanced because not everyone's equal. Right. There's certain situations where somebody will clearly have an advantage over the other. Sure, in some situations. But I always find that those games um, have a lot uh, more replayability. They're, they last longer. You can ha- Games don't seem like they're just repeating mm-hmm. the same thing with just some random events. You know, every game is a different matchup and a different uh, scenario that you're doing. At the very least, you can every time you play, you can play a different faction. And then right. you're getting basically kind of a bit of a different game. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's asymmetric gameplay is is my topic. Gotcha. Um, for me, and again, uh, probably most of my things will be mostly wargaming related. Uh, morale rules, uh, mechanics, and such, which is weird because when I first started getting into miniature games and things like that, I was not. I did not like morale. Mm. I did not like the concept of like oh, well, my miniatures have decided they need to run off the board because they've come under a bunch of fire or they've lost a number of their squad and stuff like that. Like, I'm used to, like, at the time, I was much more used to the concept of a video game. Like, no, this guy's going to stay here until he's dead because I'm controlling him. And then I'll respawn and it'll be great. Um, But what morale rules are doing in a lot of miniature games is they are, at the very least, they are trying to show some self-preservation, which... You definitely do have in war, um, but in a game like the game that Vince and I wrote, uh, Rain and Hell, those are demons, and they don't really have much in the way of self-preservation, so they don't really have morale rules either. But in games where these are people who are, whether they're pro- professional soldiers, conscripted soldiers, whatever, having something that at least, even if it's just a bare minimum of, the, like, well, now they keep their head down. Like, they've been shot at enough mm-hmm. that they're now pinned, so they're not going to return fire until, you know, what it does is it gives, it's a bummer when it happens to you, but as a player who is attacking somebody else, if you can, yeah, I might be able to hit them, but just shooting at them at the least is going to give me a good chance of pinning them so they're not going to fire back as much. Mm-hmm. It, be, it adds more strategy as opposed to just, I'm going to run up and shoot them right. and die. It adds I mean? a way to add that hit, that mechanic, in, you know, that realism. Exactly. 
Right. Yeah. And I, I think that that's so. Again, it's not something that gets used in every game because sometimes you just have like if you had robots fighting robots, well, they probably don't have morale because they're robots and they don't care, um, you know. But like people generally don't want to die too much, so they are going to be like, you know what? I think that I'm going to go because I don't want to be exploded or whatever the deal is, you know. So that's having to deal with that as the the controller of your folks. I think adds an extra layer of complexity sometimes, which is nice, but it's not too deep, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I dig that. That's why, as I've gotten older, I do seem to like the concept of morale. I used to be really annoyed when, like, your space marines would run off the board because they took a bunch of fire from a bunch of, I don't know, orcs or something else like that. But now I get the reason. I mean, maybe not so much with, you know, space marines is maybe a bad... They usually have something called no-no-fear or something like that, or and they shall no-no-fear, so they have a tendency to get to re-roll their morale. But, you know, normal, regular troops have a tendency to be like, well, I'm going to go. So um, <laughs> that makes sense. It's been fun. Yeah, exactly. It's been real, but it's not been real fun. It's not been real fun. That's true. Yeah. Um, so what's nice. your least favorite game mechanic? Is that what we're doing next? Yeah, let's go right. there. Um, I got that. Okay. Uh, targeting by other players. I, I I couldn't find, like, a good mechanical Specific name for this. Specific name, sure. Yeah, but, like, basically, like, if um, there's a way for all the other players to gang up on somebody by random uh, choice or just because you sat in a certain order. So, like, if I sit to, you know clockwise of a certain friend who's very good at board games mm-hmm. versus sitting clockwise to the guy that's really bad in our group at playing board games and it's that directly affects my game all the time right 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 that drives me absolutely bonkers so you're saying that like if a player realizes because they're going to probably target you because you haven't gone yet Th- that or like uh yeah like like game where like okay i I beat everybody in this last game that we played, so mm-hmm. we're playing this this new game, so they're all going to gang up on me to make sure I don't win this game. Oh, I see. That's annoying. Or mm-hmm. the because I sat to the left of this person, um, like they're like, oh, to the player the player to your left is the one that you can attack. Oh, sure, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can only attack the that person, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, great, because I sat next to the guy who's really good at this game, right. I've already had a disadvantage. Uh, yeah, I'm at a disadvantage versus the guy that's sat next to the guy who's never played this game before and has no sense of strategy to themselves. And Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that. I mean, like, that's the thing that's always driven me a little nuts about um, uh, Munchkin mm. is that the game has a tendency to do that sort of, like, uh, Mario Kart blue shell thing. Like, whoever's yeah. about to win, then we're like, no, that person's not going to win. And then you just, everyone just gangs up on him. I mean, it's fine. It's it's, it's not the worst. It's, it can, but, yeah. It, but it I can, can sometimes I, knock people's nose at a joint if that's the case. I, I can whatever. deal with it. But, yeah, sometimes it brings stuff that's outside the game into it, and it it can just sometimes just kind of ruin the, the fun of a game. It's it's the difference between a game that's more adversarial versus less adversarial right. sometimes. Yeah, there's games where it's all about who played the best game and won as mm-hmm. opposed to who decided that they were going to gang up and make this person not win. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, I can see that. That's definitely a, a, a kind of a, a bummer. It's not necessarily a specific mechanic. It's generally kind of dictated by a bunch of different game rules. Right. But it still kind of comes out as a mechanic as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What's uh, you Too many dice. Like, I like dice. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But there are specific games, again, predominantly in wargaming, where you're like, well, I have 27 orc boys, <laughs> and they each have four attacks on the charge. I have to go buy more dice. I'll be right back. Like that, you know, <laughs> that in my mind is like, that seems like too many. And and there are probably ways to mitigate it. 
uh, rules-wise. I like too many dice. And this is the thing. That's the thing is that these lists, some people are going to be like, but I love that thing. Right. Or, oh, oh, I hate yeah, that absolutely. thing you like. There's and it's re- totally understandable. See, I like it because it, for me, if you roll more dice, it takes out the chance of randomness, mm-hmm. like a skewed randomness. Like if I roll, it's less swingy for it's sure. It's less yeah. swingy. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but sometimes I think that the swinginess, and that's the issue sometimes with certain games, is that people get real mathy about it because they're like, well, the percentage is this. And you're right. like, yeah, but I roll ones a lot for reasons. I don't know why. And right. so, yeah. Now, But for me, just like the the physicality of having to try to throw two hands, and I got big hands, but like two handfuls of dice and then yeah, try to figure there, it out. There is a point where it yeah. does get kind of and, just And silly. some people like dig that stuff, and that's totally cool, and that's great. But for me, I'm always like, yeah, if I could... And it's not even just necessarily the number of dice in a specific roll. Sometimes it's the amount of rolls that need to happen to do a thing. Like, again, in, to, to, you know, not, to Warhammer 40,000, there's like, first you have to roll to hit. Then you have to roll to wound. That, that's what, I'm like, oh roll my to gosh. Hit, roll to wound, we, then somebody else rolls rolling, something else. We are rolling back and forth like five times yeah. to figure out if something hit you. Right. And did damage. Yeah. And that's one of the things I kind of like about like Warcry is it's just like, oh, I'm going to roll these dice. You take two damage. There's no saving throw. We don't mess around with that stuff. That's all worked into the number of wounds we have. And there you go. Right. So, yeah, it's uh, fewer dice in general for me, I think. You know, again, I like still having a bunch of dice Mm -hmm. around. They're fun. Dice are cool. But I don't need to throw that many in a specific game. So there's that. Yes. Uh, back to you. What's another favorite of your game uh, mechanics? Yeah, I like drafting mechanics. So, so like getting behind some of the cards yes, and, and, and going past. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean that's a, that's a cool one. I, I suppose sure, Formula yeah. D or whatever. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's it. Right. Yeah, Formula D. But uh, no, I'm thinking of draft mechanics where basically, uh, to usually like to start off a game or to take items, um, you basically get choices mm-hmm. and then. The person that gets the first choice will then usually now they're at the back of the line and you know somebody else might get like some other advantage because they went you know there's some way there's a way of balancing but there's kind of like a risk versus reward too of right like, okay well I'm going first and I really want to take this but if I take that then I'm gonna have you know this you know but uh, yeah I just like the uh, the it seems less um, random mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. less uh, jaded. Um, that hey somebody rolled first so they rolled the higher number on the dice so they go first it feels it just feels more fair like you're starting with you know, more of an even ground and that you got a little bit of strategy right from the, gets the start to figure out where how you were going to play the game yeah it's not exactly the same thing but like in Star Wars Legion like to determine each turn like who kind of goes first it's like a bit of a bid kind of a thing mm-hmm. depending on the the forces you have like these forces you have in your army also come with these specific cards which have these certain values. So you might be able to take this guy who's really good, but he ends up having kind of a low bid card or whatever. Right. And then also it kind of also controls like, well, okay, so I bid and I won with this, but that means I have to activate like this guy or whatever and that kind of stuff. And so that kind of like stuff, again, you're right right from the get, you're all yeah. met already like kind of strategizing and planning right. things out and yep. the risk and reward. I think that's, that is cool too. Um, what about like like drafting like in like um, Magic the Gathering type uh, collectible card game drafting? Is that kind of it, thing it, too? Yeah, you can do that too. Yeah, and, yeah. and then kind of the same thing too, right? It, it's, uh, well, I got first choice, but you didn't get to pick all of it. So, you know, everybody got a, a choice. And, yeah. you, you know, usually it's like, like if there's like six of you, you start on one side, you pass down, and then the next time down, 
it starts from left and goes right, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so that person kind of gets two in a row. And you yeah. know, fantasy football players are like, oh, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So, yeah, it keeps it, it kind of keeps it more balanced, but it's, it gives you kind of a choice of like, oh, well, I, you know, I kind of like these type of players. So, I can, you know, you can do some individual customization in your favoritism of how you like to play to kind of influence how you're starting out. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's very cool. Um, how about you? For me, I like, um, it's frequently referred to as true line of sight. Okay. How's, so what's, what's the true part? The true part generally means you actually kind of crouch down and you look from behind your miniature to see if you can see the other miniature mm. and then go, oh yeah, no, I can totally see the top of his head or whatever. Yeah. There are games out there that don't use true line of sight. They use maybe more like, uh, Battletech is a big one where like you're playing on a flat mat and you're like, okay, well, this guy can't see him because he's on level two and the other guy's on level one, but there's a level three thing here. And you're like, yeah, but according to the rules, it says that if you're close to the, and it becomes a lot more about math and yeah, trying to figure like, out the, the it, differentiation yeah, between the from, heights and all that kind of stuff. If you take from this point to this point with this laser pointer, it kind of crosses over the red line. So Right, and that's more true line of sight. If I'm just like, hey, I put the laser pointer and fired it over the top of this guy's head and put it at that guy's head, so therefore I can see him. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's right there. As opposed to like hey, being like, well, according to the rules, this is what tr- what line of sight means. True line of sight, mm-hmm. I think, has got the benefit, and and it also gets you a bit more immersive too, because you're like literally bending down to like the battlefield, yeah. you know, like the, it, the, the the soldier's eye level, and being like, yeah, I can see that. Guy. Yeah, someone who didn't play a lot of war miniatures, when you start getting into that, like the like train and stuff, is like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a window there, so yep. I'm not gonna have my guy stand right by the window. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, but and you're like, oh shoot, this guy's stupid. Head is too big, and mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, admittedly, there are sometimes arguments and things like that because you know there are some games that are like, well, if you can see fifty percent of a model, well, how are we going to figure that out exactly? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, what I a lot of l- games do now is if you can like see head, limbs, body, yes, everything else, no. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I can see that guy's gun poking out. Well, that, then you can't shoot. You know what I mean? Right. Or I can see that guy's. I don't know, funny hat, but like, no, but it, can you see his head or his face or his leg or his arm or torso? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, they're, they're trying to get it. So he's like, oh, I see his earring off his earlobe mm-hmm. versus like, I can see his head. It's, yeah. a, it's a lot different, but yeah, it's hard to. And it's a, it's a situation as well of like with the people you're playing with, you know, you'd be like, yeah, do I got the range on that? And you're like, yeah, you know, like they're not going to sit there and go, well, I think you're a half a millimeter off. You'd be like, yeah, you're good. You know, just because it's, it makes the game go quicker. It's right. more fun as opposed to be constantly like, no, you should have moved a little bit, like just a hair more. And yeah, and it usually uh, goes both ways then because then later on, you know, it gets fed back to you. Yeah, usually. exactly, like, exactly. You're like, oh, yeah, you you gave me on the other one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. good enough for that. Or the other way where you're like, well, actually, I don't think you have the, 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 the your, 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 your arc, you know, your front arc doesn't actually include this. I'm like, oh, but it should, you know, and that's like, a lot well, of that. Technically, you, yeah. you rotated it a little bit when you moved it. That's always Sorry. the issue right there is when the voice goes, well, like the voice goes higher, and you're like, "Well, I don't know if it's a thing." Actually, not sure. yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, that's 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 when you know you things are going the finger when you do it. Too, oh yeah, right? no, actually, yeah. well, actually, push up your glasses like I do. Yes. Yeah, so true line of sight. I kind of dig mm-hmm. that just because I think it adds immersion, and it's just fun to be like, "Hey, my little dude can see your little dude," and absolutely I'm shoot at him, and that's fun. Um, what about one of your least favorite game mechanics? Uh, so this one is maintenance cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I subscription think, fees? Yeah, yeah like basically. Like, stuff, it's like, oh, I've already done this, but now I've got to keep paying for it. And upkeep, it's like, um, you know, and I kind of 
group this in with like role playing like mm-hmm. oh i have to uh i have to make sure my player eats three meal- meals a day yep, and yep. Uh, i've got to you know resupply my arrows and stuff and it's like i'd rather just play like i'd rather just pay for five gold and just assume that my guy keeps up with the amount of arrows through it's like right yeah i mean there's a difference between like i never have to pay for food or ammo or anything being fixed ever or the other option is like I have to pay this much for arrows and this much for hardtack and, and this much for this. for ale, yeah, as opposed to just like okay, you're in a city for five days, you pay three gold a day, and right. there you go. You know and what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, that's like like the game Sims is. Mm-hmm. is, a, is a, I when game Sims first came out, I was like, oh, this is fantastic, and then it got so tedious. I'm like micromanagement. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is worse than. Like this is like real life, but now I'm playing for a game and it doesn't do right, anything yeah. for me. Like I have to keep paying like the bills on this guy and stuff like that. Yeah, and whatever. Like, what, and I already have to do that myself on yeah. myself. And he's got to go to work, and yeah, I've got to go like, to work, and uh, he's got to get his report in to his gotta, boss, and uh, got to get his pinball machine fixed, and uh, yeah, got to <laughs> put out that fire in the kitchen again and clean yeah. up the urine. Yeah, so, no, I that, so that I, seems I, like we yeah, I understand that they're trying to add some realism, and 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 there's other things like. Like uh, game engine games, it slows down some, you know, the advantages and stuff. But it gets, it just seems tedious and to me. There are I, people I who are like super that. into that super crunchy, like almost like uh, spreadsheet kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I'm not one of them. I agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. How about you? Um, no pre-measuring. I think that that is dumb. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, back in the day of like, uh, well. Most of 40K up until 5th or 6th, maybe it was 6th. I don't know if it was 5th or 6th. I think it was 6th edition, finally, when they were like, all right, fine, you can pre-measure. So what that means, if you're not familiar with it, is uh, normally, like, if you're, uh, let's say you've got um, a guy, and he has a gun that has a 24-inch range, and then you go, okay, well, I'm going to measure to see if I can hit that guy over there. Well, with no pre-measuring, you can't measure. Mm -hmm. So you go, I'm going to fire at that guy over there, and you declare, this is what I'm going to do. And then you measure and go, oh, he was at 24 and a half. And then you didn't get him. Yeah. There are some people that think that that's cool. I, I'm not one of them. Uh, yeah. You know, especially because very frequently I'm playing sci-fi games. And I'm going to assume there's a, range, a laser range finder on my super space gun or whatever mm-hmm. the deal is. And be like, no, I can't actually make that shot. Uh, so, yeah. that. But there are games that are still, everyone. It's, it's, it's going the way of the dodo to some degree. Mm-hmm. But there are still here and there some games every once in a while where you're like, oh, yeah, no, you can't pre-measure. And you're like, really? You're going to do that? Is that the, that's the rule that you're going to? All right, well. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, especially, I, I think it punishes new players. Absolutely. And it punishes people that aren't familiar. Like if it's somebody else's terrain, mm-hmm. why is that fair that the person gets an advantage because they, they can measure? A, a, I honestly believe that the reason the Games Workshop stopped uh, doing the no pre-measuring thing was because they produced a very expensive um, terrain piece called the Realm of Battle, which was six two-foot by two-foot modular hard plastic like it became the surface of your table Mm -hmm. and you could put them together all kinds of different ways and stuff like that, but they were two foot by two foot. So it was very easy if you were playing on that two foot by two foot grid to just be like, yeah, I think that's at least 24 inches because it's just, I mean, it's, 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 it's marked out in 24 inch squares. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden there was no benefit to doing the, oh, I got to see whether or not I can uh, shoot or not. And I got to see whether or not I've got the range because they wanted to sell a bunch of these things, which at the time were like 300 bucks when they first came out. Well, people were 
very probably not going to buy them if they're like, well, but then my friends will be able to cheat, and so will everyone else who comes over and plays on my table. <laughs> so instead, they were like, oh, yeah, no, you can totally pre-measure now. And you're like, oh, great, because their board's already measured out in two-foot squares with, mm. uh, with this thing. It's a great piece of plastic. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I own one. I, I, got, I asked everybody for my birthday one year to give me money, and then I added more money, and then I bought that. And uh, this is back in, I don't know, early, late 2000s. But um, but yeah, it would have been a real bummer if you were trying to do the no no measure no pre measuring because it would have been real yeah. obvious. So no, that's that's a horrible. Exactly. Um, what's your last favorite game? My last favorite. Um, was th- this one was a tough one. There was a few uh, items I almost picked instead, but I, I finally decided on simultaneous uh, action selection. Oh. Yeah, I don't know what that means. It's a very fancy way of basically saying we all kind of decide what we're going to do, and then we kind of show at once and for the actions. Oh, like in um, like Star X-Wing. Wars X-Wing. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. X-Wing where you, you, or... you turn your little wheels, and you get all that set up, yep. and then everybody flips them all over or whatever. Yeah, Race for the Galaxy is another mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. And, yeah, there's a lot of cool, fun mechanics that kind of cascade after that, like of, oh, uh, if, uh, if, like I think in Race for the Galaxy, is like if somebody picked this mode, then you also get to do that mode. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. But so you can kind of gamble of, well, I know so-and-so is going to pick this mode, so I can pick a different mode to do, uh, you know, so you can start, you know, playing some of that stuff off and everything else. But yeah, I like, I just like the fact that it kind of, well, it's giving everyone... you, instead of me reacting to what you're going to do, it's me having to guess what you're going to do. A little bit. Which and in like a dog fighting type situation makes yeah, a ton of sense, right? Yeah, it makes right? total sense for Absolutely. that. Yeah, Wings yeah, yeah. of War or War or... Well, it was Wings of War originally, then they changed to Wings of Glory. Glory, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then, but that's kind of where that kind of started, at least mm-hmm. in in my memory. I'm sure yep. there were games before that, but that was a big one. Next Wing um, and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. And Armada, it, even you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like it, and and it also uh, means that very little time uh, is sitting around mm-hmm. waiting for somebody to go, and then you've got to wait for that person to see what that person make a did, decision, to like, and yeah, then decide oh, yeah. what they're doing. Everybody's oh, it's kind my of turn? making the decision. I guess I should start thinking what, what I'm going to do. Yeah. No, you should have done that ahead of time. But, right. yeah, this does help to fix that. That's a good point. So. How about um, you? Campaign play. So, yeah. again, talking about tabletop war gaming and such, campaign play... Um, instead of just like playing a one-off game where you get together and my guys try to kill your guys and, and vice versa, uh, I like the concept of like this band, this war band, this crew, this group, whatever, they're going to have to try to make it through 10, 15 missions or whatever we want to do. Mm-hmm. And as they go along, they might pick up cool new weapons. They might get cool new um, abilities, they might lose limbs, they might die, that kind of stuff, as opposed to just like, I'm just going to send everybody into the meat grinder and try to win this one game. You have to think ahead and go, well, if I kill off these three dudes, some of them might not live, actually. They'll be out of action mm-hmm. at the end of this game, but in the kind of phase in between games, they may actually croak or get mm-hmm. damaged real bad, and then so I'm going to maybe play a little bit smarter or you know, maybe not just run them into into uh, um, gunfire and stuff. And that's a thing that I really dig. Like that's, we've put that into, you know, our, our first game, me and Vince, and we're putting it in the second game and mm-hmm. uh, Warcry has it and Kill Team even finally now has it. The yeah. original version of Kill, well, not the original version, the 2018 version of Kill Team's uh, campaign was kind of iffy. Um, but but it, yeah, even like uh, the legacy board games mm-hmm. kind of has this. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, role playing obviously is a big has deal, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, this was one of the mechanics that I mm-hmm. I put on my list, and then I was like, oh, Adam's got it already, so right, I took it exactly. back off. But yeah, absolutely, yeah. Anything that I think it, it makes 
your decisions more meaningful mm-hmm. and it immerses you and it's fun to kind of watch things grow and then it's a good way to kind of start mechanics out very soft and growing mechanics so that you're yeah. like oh this this player is really cool and yeah you can sometimes branch you know which way your your players going so mm-hmm. that you can explore some really fun stuff and yeah, i agree yeah yeah uh what's your last least favorite game mechanic okay easy one time restrictions anything mm-hmm. that's like you have to do this in 30 seconds you know i i understand there's almost a, like a chess clock a time situation yeah. Or, yeah 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 like most of the time i mean i get i get the reason why and there are times where i'm like oh it's nice that they can't just spend five hours thinking about this but most of the time, it's like... It's I can just... see the benefit for specifically tournament games. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to get things done. But if you and your friends are sitting around there, like there are certain games that give you those little uh, sand timers, right. you know, the little hourglass timers or whatever. But yeah, no, I it's know just, what you mean. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I, I don't care for games that have it. It's mm-hmm. just, it always seems like it's a crutch to fix something else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, you can take that mechanic and put it into other games. If you and your friends take forever to play, I don't know, Monopoly or whatever, yeah. you could throw that in there and go, okay, it's your turn, and then right. flip over the little hourglass yeah, thing. like Major but, League Baseball, the, they have the pitch count the clock now. Mm-hmm. You have to pitch within a certain amount. And it's like, I understand why they're doing They're trying to speed it up, yeah, but yeah. You're, you're, that's to fix another broken mechanic. <laughs> right. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, so, you're not yeah. wrong. I don't, so, yeah. 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 How about how's it? Uh, my last uh, my last least favorite uh, game mechanic are um, simple alternating activations. We talked a little bit at the beginning mm-hmm. about uh, activation stuff in in tabletop wargaming. Activations meaning like how you know obviously you don't just like everybody all the all the all the models don't just go at once. That, that there's no way yeah. to do that. It's not like a video game where. You know, uh, multiple people can be running, you know, each different thing or Mm. there's AI that's running these bad guys and you're doing, you know, it's a situation of like you kind of have to do things in a turn-based way. So you have to sort of take turns, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that the turns have to be boring. There are plenty of games out there that are like, well, we're both going to roll at the beginning and whoever wins gets to go first. And then, like I said, like innings, then it's first and then second and then just keeps going like that and then... Um, Especially when they're like, you don't have the same amount of, of same players. Amount of models or and that it's like too, yeah. at the end of every turn, the orc guy gets to go 15 times in a row. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I like games that, like, I don't even mind simple, like, because when I say simple alternating activation, I mean, like, literally, you do everything on your team yeah. and then I do everything on my team. Yeah. But I don't mind as much you activate a guy than I oh, activate okay. a guy. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause, because in that situation, at least there's more reaction. Mm. Because you're like, well, you've activated these three guys over right. there, and I'm now, at, it's my turn, I'm going to activate right. my they're third like, guy. Okay, you're going to do this whole entire turn, and right. then I'm going to go, and you do your, yeah. Exactly. It, that That's a bummer, especially unfortunately. Especially on, on longer things. It big, just makes the game boring. Oh, yeah, big army games, yeah. And that's the, like, that's kind of the standard. Well, it's the standard for 40K, which is, like, the biggest, you know. Yeah, if I can walk away from the game for 30 minutes and then come back and i didn't I really mean, usually you have to roll some saving throws or armor saves or something like that yeah but, but yeah there's not a lot of use to you really, yeah you're yeah. like i didn't think about anything for 30 minutes no i yeah. just was like okay oh yeah i got a five plus you know like, yeah there's a lot of that so um that kind of simple alternating activation stuff is uh, i it's it's one of the big reasons that and the fact that i'm just not interested in big army games where i'm pushing around dozens potentially of, of models anymore uh it's one of the reasons i haven't been playing you know like 
Warhammer or you know, specifically Warhammer 40K. At least in Age of Sigmar, every turn you roll again to see. So you might have gone at the bottom of the of the first turn and you get to go at the beginning of the f- second turn, which I know some people just hate because they're like, well, then you get to go twice in a row. And I'm like, well, that's sometimes the way that war works. Right. You know what I mean? Like um, the idea of like I get to go and then you get to go and then I get to go and then you get to go and then I get to – like that's not how things work. And so, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of different um, types of um, mechanics in games, obviously, of all kinds of different types of tabletop games. So if you're interested, you know, you should let us know um, in maybe on the YouTube comments if you're checking us out over there or something like that. You should let us know what uh, your favorite or least favorite uh, game mechanics are. Um, you know, is there something that if you see it's in a game, you're like, oh, I'm much more likely to be interested in playing it? Or is there something in a game that you see that rule and you're like, nope, not for me, thanks? That's a good question, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Game 4 Podcast. If you've got questions or comments and you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment below. If you're listening via your favorite podcast player or just aren't into the whole YouTube comment selection thing, what is the selection? Comment section thing, then you can feel free to reach out to us via email at podcast at imgame4.com. You can also keep up to date with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our website at www.iamgame4.com. That is www.iamgame4.com. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.